0: Hey, this is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com or Film Intuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen and Friends. If Watch with Jen is the studio track, this is the acoustic version. Today's guest is Thomas Lafley. A regular contributor to Variety, Time Out New York, and RogerEbert.com, talented freelance film writer and reviewer Thomas Lafley is a member of the prestigious New York Film Critics Circle, and her bylines have appeared in such outlets as Filmmaker Magazine, IndieWire, Vulture, and The Wrap, among others. As passionate and articulate as she is classy and kind, Tomris has a special interest in the award season, costume design, and women in film, And she covers various film festivals throughout the year, including the New York Film Festival, Sundance, and Telluride. And I am so excited to talk with her today. Welcome, Tomris. So, Tomris, how are you doing, and how are you adapting to quarantine life?
1: Hi, um, I'm, I'm doing okay. I mean... Adapting to quarantine life is is interesting because for me, the change hasn't been so much getting used to being at home. As I freelance, Mm -hmm. that's the majority of my day, you know, being at home. I'm like, is it time to get up yet? And, you know, (laughs) shall I procrastinate for two hours or shall I start doing something so that that part necessarily hasn't necessarily been a giant change for me. What has been a change, obviously, is all the stuff that a lot of us in the film world are suffering from. There are no screenings to go to. Freelancing mm-hmm. you know, is already lonely. You're kind of cooped up in your own world. But going to those screenings and some industry events can provide a break from that. And you actually feel like you're a part of something and you're not just, you know. Yeah on your own but yeah removing that component has been hard and you know outside of that which isn't really your question but obviously freelance work isn't as frequent these days (laughs) so that has been an adjustment I've been cooking a lot I've been biking trying to exercise and those who know me well they know that I'm not an exercising type me (laughs) neither (laughs)
0: Yeah. How about you? You tell me too. <laughs> um, well, not too much new, trying to keep busy. I'm glad I, it was kind of funny. I was going to start the podcast anyway. And now that quarantine happened, it's like giving me something to do every week, like another, so you don't worry or watch the news or that kind of thing. I mean, of course you watch the news, but not like all day or stressing.
1: Yeah. yeah. So
0: it's nice to have that. I ordered a puzzle. So I got a movie puzzle I'm very excited about. And just keeping in touch with friends, it's important to check in a lot.
1: It really so, is. Yeah. yeah some of that on my own, too. Um, you know, it's, it's harder, obviously. Now you just discover, oh, you know, we have all these tools, like calling somebody on the phone. <laughs> I you know. know. And I've also been indulging in some of those Zoom calls, you know, but Every week I get together with my friends and we watch a movie together, um, you know, trying to keep busy and yeah. to
0: maintain some semblance of normalcy. That's a good thing, because I was going to ask you, I know you have been using that app, Netflix Party, mm-hmm. and that sounds like so much fun. Do you have any advice for those who have yet to check it out? Um, I mean, it's, it's definitely
1: fun. The, the one thing about Netflix Party is that it, it, I, I don't think it's officially affiliated with Netflix. I don't think it's gotcha. something that you know, they, they did. But I, I am not entirely sure on what I'm saying right now, so you might want to check on this. Um, uh-huh. But I'm pretty sure it's not you know, their official thing. But because it's only for Netflix, you are kind of um, limited to what choices they offer. And recently, I found this new thing called 2.7, which is a strange name for a platform. (laughs) I don't know why it's called 2.7. But you can actually access um, Amazon Prime Library and YouTube, and I think in some cases, HBO and Hulu too, if you have a paid subscription, we're using it for free. Um, And that's also, uh, and Netflix too. So 2.7 is a more, you know, um, kind of, um, easier to use platform and have more access to online libraries. So cool. we're sort of
0: graduated to two Seven lately. Yeah, it sounds more comprehensive. So when you do that, do you see everybody, or is it just like chat boxes on the side?
1: I think with Netflix Party, you don't have the option to see people, okay. but with Two Seven, you can. But yeah. we turn off the video functionality during the movie. Yeah. Know? give people room to like flex their muscles in their living rooms and do whatever exactly. they And there's there's a chat on the side with each platform. And q seven is actually a bit more attractive looking, but with each platform you get a chat on the side. And people drop in, you know, like either profound observations or mostly silly comments that <laughs> we giggle among amongst us. And it's only Four households. We're doing this with. us and you know three other friends. Um, after more friends, but like three other households, I should say. Um, yeah, and then before that, we do a Zoom call, have a little drink, and that's <laughs> the
0: movie. That's
1: basically how it goes.
0: That sounds fun. It's good to keep it kind of smaller, so you don't have like twenty people all trying to chat at the same time and missing threads.
1: Yeah. yeah, and then uh, you know, with a smaller group when it's only like four homes, you feel like you know you're 25% of something, so like your presence yeah. actually matters in that group, it's it's, it's cozier.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, I think like the minute we just say, Let's invite other people, and I feel like people would either show up or not show up. Like right now, people are committed so far. Um, I don't know about the future i have no idea how long this thing will go on yeah but
0: that's so true
1: it has given us something to look forward to every saturday
0: very cool well i've been a fan of your writing for a long while There's such gorgeous thoughtful phrasing to be found in your reviews and you have real skill Tomris. were you always interested in movies and writing or what was it that first drew you to the field
1: Oh, man, so it's um, <laughs> a really lengthy question for me because I don't really have a traditional path um, that I follow that I finally, you know, found myself in the film reviewing world. Uh-huh. Um, I, I guess who who, ha- who does these days, yeah. right? Everybody supported <laughs> their own path. Um, but, I mean, I, I always had an interest in writing. You know, I, I actually remember ever since childhood and when I was a teenager, I kind of had to, like, put down my thoughts and express myself, even if I would never let anyone, um, you know, read what I wrote. <laughs> um, but I mean, if I really, really need to go all the way back, you know, I was a big letter writer. And, mm-hmm. you know, I actually wrote physical letters to a lot of people. I, I have this friend that I haven't seen for so many years, but we communicated solely through letters. And people kind of dismiss that, but really that puts you in, a, in the habit of, expressing yourself to another human being and um, do it in a way where you're not going to bore your friend. But I mean, <laughs> to jump forward, yes, I was interested in it in, in college, which is basically a zillion years <laughs> <laughs> ago. No. <laughs> and no. Um, and I, I, did, I did do some kind of those little online chat rooms in the 90s here and there, getting together with a bunch of like-minded people and talking about movies. The one big thing that happened to me that really broke my um, confidence was, or it kind of went both ways. I entered the National Film Criticism Competition when I was in college. It okay. was held by a and I, I didn't get in the top three, but I made it to the headline saying All that right. the reason that I wasn't in the top three because I didn't stick with the word count that they I know, it was just so funny. Um, But, you know, kind of fast-forwarding it to this last decade, you know, I was working in the corporate world, doing something completely not film-related, but Mm -hmm. always trying to keep that side of me alive somehow. Um, But then when it became a little bit easier to start your own blog and to put yourself out there, became a more democratic process. And at that point, I already switched to the business side of the world, you know, doing publicity and things like that. I did start a blog and eventually um, a friend of mine who's a longtime publicist sent it to an editor. I started getting sporadic assignments here and there, just one review, two months later, maybe another review. Mm-hmm. Um, and what kind of changed, the, the course for me was when I kind of invested in myself, you know, from my day job to get myself to Sundance one year. I decided to do that and see how it goes. And that that's really when I started seeing myself as, you know, okay, I, I really can be a part of this community. I can do this. You know, it wasn't an easy path. I kind of had a lot of twists and turns, but, you know, I I kept at it thanks to the help of a billion people who have supported me over the years. So that's basically in a nutshell. I don't know if it answers your question.
0: Oh, perfectly. No, that's wonderful. Well, I know you are a veteran of film festivals at this point. Obviously, it'll be fascinating to see what happens to festivals post-COVID. Yeah. But before the pandemic, what were some of the things you found most interesting or surprising when you first started going to and covering festivals?
1: This has definitely changed or gotten better over the years, but mm. I, I was just really surprised how male it was. Everything yes. was <laughs> so, you know, e- everywhere you looked, there wasn't necessarily a lot of uh, female presence in terms of. Writing, I have to say. Um, So, I am not sure if that was really a surprise for me because you know, you see the bylines, you see who's doing the writing, but when you actually go to the festival and see all these names that are (laughs) doing the writing together, then you realize, oh, you know, like I am an anomaly here, and Mm -hmm. you know, what, what can we do so that people like me are not anomalies? So that was one of the surprising things. But the other thing is, um, for the most part, I have found festival communities incredibly supportive.
0: Yes.
1: And, uh, yeah, in, in the first few years, I mean, later on, you kind of just get buried in your own world when you have a lot of work to do. But if, if you're kind of trying to make connections, struggling, trying to get to something, looking for a ticket or, or whatnot, there's always someone who is ready to raise their hand and say, "Okay, I can help you out with that," or you know, if you have a question, I'll, I'll help answer that. So um, the sense of community was a lot stronger in in places
0: like you know, Sundance and Telluride than you know, than I would have guessed. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's an excellent point. I think since you're going to so many screenings, you're like bonding faster too. Then you would necessarily just going to a couple screenings a week here and there. Um, I found that, too. I worked at the Scottsdale International Film Festival and also attended some of the ones locally. And it's really fun to suddenly bond with all these new people who have the same passion. Yeah, I've always enjoyed that. And I think it goes faster because like you, when I first started hitting, you know, the screenings to cover movies just throughout the year, I was noticing, okay, there's maybe one other woman and she doesn't always come sometimes. So it is interesting when you finally hit the festival and more people come from all over and yeah, it has definitely gotten better. I agree. It
1: really has. Yeah.
0: Um, and,
1: and the other thing that was just unexpected to for me I mean, I'm always a night owl. You know, I don't need a lot of sleep during the day. But really, as soon as you set foot in a festival, I feel like my body switches to a different um, <laughs> understanding of time. All of a sudden, the six hours, seven hours, or whatever sleep you need becomes three hours, and you <laughs> kind of it. And you're like, okay, the next 10 days are going to suck in terms of sleep. And mm-hmm. you somehow... Mentally adjust to it immediately. That's like a really funny thing (laughs) a lot of people don't talk about. But I just find that I need not as many hours of sleep in a festival. Which is a funny thing that happens to your body, I think.
0: Very true. It's like film festival adrenaline, basically. (laughs) Well, As someone who loves classic movies and old Hollywood glamour, I always enjoy your pieces on costume and fashion and film. What are some of your favorite movies for their costumes alone? Classic, contemporary, your choice.
1: Oh wow, um, I should have prepared some answers today. Oh no, know.
0: I'm sorry, oh, <laughs> putting no, you on the no, spot.
1: I, I was, I was actually thinking about um, just yesterday. I was thinking about Leave Her to Heaven um, mm, with Gene yes. and um, that's that's a movie I always, you know swoon about in terms of costume design um B- blow up is another movie that to me is is very iconic in terms of its looks and costumes that you know if if, if i find it on somewhere I'll, I'll always watch it all the way through because to me it's just such a stunning world um let's see you know from from contemporary movies I need to think about that. Let's let's get back to that later because it's a huge question.
0: Oh yes, no, you're so,
1: I have so many um that I would want to throw out. I just don't want to say anything cliche like Sabrina. Of course, everybody loves the
0: costume. Yeah. That. Oh no, you're fine. I was gonna say it's interesting to see what everyone has been watching lately. Some are seeking out more new first-time watches, and others are going for old favorites, comfort movies, and also looking at them in a new light now, like, oh my gosh, she's touching her face, or that kind of thing. Yeah. But um, what have you been watching recently? Is there anything you'd like to recommend? Any new discoveries or old favorites you want to talk about? Um, I have
1: been doing a combination, I have to say, going yeah. to you know, some some. Of my all-time favorites and discovering new stuff lately i've been really hooked to the gene arthur series on criterion channel me too that, that's one thing that i recommend to every film lover i mean it sounds obvious but if you don't have a criterion channel subscription that that can be you know your lifesaver these days mm-hmm. um, i've also been catching up on columbia noir lately um because those those are always fun to watch, and you know, it's just, just like a nice nice escape from today. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also finding that, you know, this, this might be strange, but I'm also finding that watching disaster movies or extinction of humankind movies or any kind of doom and gloom dystopian movies are providing me a strange sense of comfort these days. I know it's you would think that it would be the opposite, right? That you wouldn't want to watch something like Contagion or <laughs> or I Am Legend or I don't know, Planet of the Apes. But I, I just feel a little bit more plugged into the moment when I'm true. actually something that just feels so much more relevant today. You know, mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like a piece of entertainment that I can be startled by but then dismiss later, but it actually feels so real and true. So that has been providing me a little sense of comfort. I know this sounds really strange, but that's also no. Um And other than that, a huge discovery for me was a TV series, actually, called okay. My
0: Brilliant Friend. Um, oh, yes.
1: On HBO. Have you seen
0: it? not yet i have the book and i was trying to figure out do i read the book first or the series do you recommend i,
1: I haven't read the book but okay. i can't i can't imagine reading the book first will take away anything from okay. the, of the series um i actually recently did a piece for playlists um on on the first two seasons it got renewed for a third season but um they don't know when they can shoot obviously yeah so, give give a little bit of, you know, um, understanding of what the series is to the listeners. It's basically an Italian story. The books, it's a a quartet of books written by a writer called Elena Ferrante, but that's not her real name. No one knows who Mm -hmm. who she is. And um, the first two seasons are basically adapted from the first two books. They're set in Italy of um, 50s and 60s, respectively. And there is a deep sense of time and place and history in every single episode that you watch. The creator, Saveria Costanzo, is a, is a big, obviously, film geek and cinephile. And when you watch the first season, you really see traces of Italian neorealism in it. You're, you're really carried away to that world. And he he does this brilliant thing of, you know, having foreground and background, have conversations with each other. You actually see so many layers of stories in every single frame. And basically the story of two two girls, two women later on um, who grow up together in um, a poor neighborhood of Napoli, and they sort of have, they're both very brilliant, but they go to their own trajectories in life, and they're both friends and circumstantial enemies and friends again. So it's a really complex, complex kind of female friendship story we don't necessarily see often told mm-hmm. in TV or cinema or not, not, not in this, you know, in, in, in this kind of um, kind of delicate detail I find. Um, and in the second season, when you're in the 60s. The look and feel switches to new wave, sort of. Like it's it's just oh, cool. so. How that happens, and when I was interviewing the the filmmaker, he said the third season is set in seventies, and he has a lot of ideas about how he can bring some of that new Hollywood feel to it, um, sort of like the Taxi Driver, Three Days of Condor, those kinds of movies. So he has plans for what he can do, and a pair of episodes in season two are directed by uh, Alicia Rohrwacker which is also it it should give a reason to all the Smithiles to watch it even more but somehow it's not very talked about that show and that to me was one of the biggest discoveries during quarantine like where was I when this was happening?
0: Yeah, no I definitely want to watch My Brilliant Friend. So you said there were four books? So is the fourth one then I'm guessing maybe the nineteen eighties? I mean, I love this idea of channeling a different yeah right. part of and, film.
1: Uh, I, I wanna actually read the books now, but now mm-hmm. I'm in a different place than you. I, I've already watched the two series. I'm thinking, shall I read the third book and fourth book, or shall I start from the first book? Like what do I do? Or do <laughs> I wait for seeing season three? So I d I don't know where fourth book is set to be honest, but okay. I look forward to season
0: three whenever they can film it. Perfect. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited about that. And it's so nice to have it told in such comprehensive detail, a female friendship with all of its ups and downs. I like that. That's very cool.
1: It I mean, it definitely, understands understand something that show, and I'm assuming it all comes from the book um, about the ways that women relate to each other when you know they they love each other, but they're also in direct competition in certain ways, mm-hmm. and that kind of tears force of a relationship to a different direction. Um, you don't you don't really see that often. It's it's such a delicately um, grasped you know reality about how women connect with each other and how sometimes they can fall apart or fall, grow apart. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes. Well, I also wanted to say, I always enjoy your photos of your dog. Is it Audrey? Is that the name? Her name is Ozzy. Yeah. Yes. And I was going to ask you because you do all this great film and TV watching, does she have a good attention span for movies or is there anything she won't watch? I know scary stuff used to scare my old dog, she would run in the other room, or big drum scenes? Is she- I, mean, I, I would love to say
1: yes, she sits down and watches everything with pure attention, but Audrey isn't really like that. You know, she <laughs> just ignore what's happening on the screen. Every now and then, and she's not faced with, you know, like, loud bomb or, you know, any kind of like that, but if, if you know, it's coming from the TV, but every now and then she will react to a dog barking. You know, ah. <laughs> and it confuses them, right? You know, like they can yeah. hear something, but they can't smell a dog around. Yeah. <laughs> How is that? And then sometimes it just gets so confusing for her that, like, she just gets up and goes to the other room because, like, <laughs> it's, a process, it's too much.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> Very funny. So if you were going to program like a triple feature. To introduce someone to you and your taste in movies. Do you have any idea which movies you'd want to choose? To introduce people to me. Yeah, and your taste. You can do either or. like Things you enjoy or just, hi, I'm Tomris and these are my movies.
1: I mean, I would definitely put All About Eve. That would be probably be the, the one movie that you know, I opened Slide as one of my all time favorites. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: I I would put I would, I would Blow Up in there too, which has also been, you know, a very important movie for me in different points of my life. I think that might be one, one of my earliest memories of kind of realizing what, what cinema can do and can suggest. Um, so that's two. Maybe a third movie would be. I mean, there's just so much. Three is just so hard. We'll make it
0: five if you want. Go for it.
1: (laughs) Brooklyn in there, because, you know, I don't want to alienate more contemporary movies. Brooklyn has been a really important movie, too, this past few years. Um, Mm -hmm. But let's see what else. Um, I will push John Dillman, for for sure.
0: Um. Or...
1: Even, even better, from Chantal Ackerman, the movie, that means a lot to me. I would probably program News From Home. Okay. Uh, it's, a, it, it's a really hypnotic documentary. Have you seen News From Home?
0: No, that one I have not. Um, it's, it's,
1: by, it's by Chantal Ackerman. It's basically just long, long scenes of, just New York subway, or a city corner, or, you know, know, she just keeps shooting the same scene, and you kind of see it happening um, in in, in the 70s of New York, but the, the twist is, while she's doing that, she's also reading letters that she received from her mother, you know, when she was first living here, moved here, you know, as a filmmaker, to to make movies, to to pursue that dream. And then um, those letters and the the images repeating, the movie slowly forms this really nostalgic view of, you know, your love for your parents, your parents' Mm -hmm. love for you. And on top of that, you know, the alienation you feel sometimes as an immigrant. Mm -hmm. And I might I'm an immigrant in New York, and I I felt those, you know, intense feelings of both wanting to bond with the city and also um, feeling that you're still an outsider and your real self is somewhere else. Um, And she just basically invented this brilliant way of making a, a very inexpressible, intangible thing extremely tangible. Through her mom's letters, I love that movie. So, so Sounds I was wonderful.
0: Very <laughs> inventive. <laughs>
1: um. Yeah, I do want to go back to your the fashion, the fashion question. Sure. Um. But you know, yeah, that's the first one I thought. Um, leave her to heaven
0: because that's that's fun movie. Those costumes I open Soon about. Um, it's so it beautiful. Is- it's it is one of the most beautiful films.
1: Um also I mean, gosh, I really wish I had prepared this because there's oh, so no <laughs> there's just so much that I can cite. I mean, I am usually a fan, let, let me put it that way, instead of like naming just one movie. I am usually a fan of costuming in movies when they pay attention to creating a character you can actually feel like you understand why that person is wearing that. Um, mm-hmm. Instead of just putting, you know, a, a pretty era-appropriate dress on somebody, you, can, you know, you can always tell the difference when the movie is paying attention to a transitional time. Like, if a movie is set in 1975 or 1985, it's just really bizarre to me that everybody always wears only that year's clothes in that movie mm-hmm. because, it's like that, we all have. Things in our wardrobe from 10 years ago, or oh, know, yeah, <laughs> that we, we bought movies that pay attention to that you know transition in somebody's wardrobe speak to me more from a co- costume perspective, and also I love it when characters sometimes wear the same costumes twice. I yes, love, I love that when, when that happens because. That just shows that, you know, I, I can think at the back of my head, okay, this person has a wardrobe, they have some options, and then they're just, like, mm-hmm. acting. I, I mean, one example I can think, Brooklyn does this really well, when you look yeah. at Saoirse Roman's wardrobe in that movie. She repeats some of the clothes, sometimes she puts a different cardigan on a dress, so you can actually get a sense of, You know, what she has in her closet and how she's trying to make the most
0: of it. Yeah, I love that myself. Growing up, I used to, well, I still enjoy it, love watching the Mary Tyler Moore show. And I would get so excited when it's like, oh, she wore that turtleneck a few episodes ago. It's more like real life. You don't have, like, so many millions of outfits that you can just choose from, 365. You know, you have to repeat or repurpose things, like you were mentioning with Brooklyn A different cardigan. Yeah. So I personally love that myself. And earlier you were saying about relating to News from Home as an Immigrant. One of the things I remember bonding with you about on Twitter is how much you and I are probably in the two, not a lot of people in this fan club, but enjoy the movie The Terminal. Like a lot. Right. yes I was so excited to see that I'm like okay Thomas yes <laughs> so what is it about um, for people who don't know the terminal that really made you latch on to that
1: I mean it's interesting I think there's always an element of um, you know when when you say you love a movie or a movie connected with you there's always an element of when you watch this the first yeah. time and you know what it's that. What, what it said to you at that point. And you can't, you know, recreate that. You can't ever explain it to a person. And sometimes you visit that movie years later when you're in a different mindset, different place in your life. you you think, if I was seeing it for the first time right now, maybe I, was, I wouldn't be as kind, but you still mm-hmm. understand your past self as connected to that movie. So with Terminal, um, I saw that movie at a time in my life where... I just felt so disconnected, both from my adopted country, which is, you know, U.S., and mm-hmm. my motherland, Turkey. I actually felt extremely homeless and stuck because I was in between visas. Mm-hmm. My heel to um, either get a work visa, I don't remember exactly what visa status I was at, but basically, I was reappealing to the government to approve my visa, which they had denied before, even though I was working here. Um, And I was in this limbo where I I could be denied again. I could have been deported in two months, but I also didn't want to go back home because I already had a life here for several years. So it was just this entire mess of Feeling like I don't have a country,
0: basically.
1: Mm-hmm. So when I was already feeling that, I was already full with those um, intense feelings of, you know, I wouldn't say homelessness, but like you're, you're just trying to figure out, you know, where you want to make a life at. Then I saw a Terminal, and then this poor guy who literally yeah. have a country, and he's stuck at airport, and he's just living day by day, and that was my life. Then as well. I was just trying to get through every day and trying to see what happens the next day. It, it, it just spoke to me at such a personal, such a deep level that I couldn't believe that a, a movie that has nothing to do with me had everything to do with me. Um, so I will never not be extremely kind towards Terminal because of mm-hmm. the state that I was at when I first watched it.
0: Yeah, the right movie at the right time. Yep. I saw it when I moved from when I first moved to Arizona. I lived in a place called Mesa, which is mostly with senior citizens. I was kind of nearby my grandparents, which was nice because you could run over real fast if there was a, t- a crisis with the Tupperware and they couldn't open it. I could quickly go over and do that, that kind of thing. But going to school and needing to go to art house theaters and that kind of thing, I was so excited to move to Phoenix. And so I left Mesa, went to Phoenix, and the weekend I saw it was 4th of July weekend. And I went on the 4th of July, and I just really enjoyed the movie. It was like the first one I went to the sea in my new home. And on the drive back, the fireworks were going off over the mountain. And as soon as I came back home... I found out that my friend had just given birth to their baby. So it was like a new firework had come into the the world. And I just thought it was a kind of a nice little collision of cool events all at the same time. It's like you can't really plan ahead that this is going to be the right movie at the right time. But it definitely was. So I've always enjoyed The Terminal ever since. Kind of brings you right back. Yeah, yeah
1: I mean, so it sounds like it was the same thing in your case just the right movie at the right time as you so aptly and eloquently
0: put Yeah, it's one of my favorites I mean, of course it's not like, you know Spielberg's best, that kind of thing but it's just it's, a lot of fun it, it, It's Yeah, I
1: think everybody would agree that it's not his best but it, it just spoke to me at a personal level where you know, it will always have a special place for me Even I do acknowledge as a critic,
0: it's not even close to being (laughs) possessed. Exactly. Yeah. Such a good cast, too. It's interesting to see, like, um, some of the supporting players in the movie have gone out. Was it Zoe Saldana, Um, Diego Luna? I mean, it's really cool to see all those people when they were so young and now they're bigger actors. Very cool.
1: And there is a very, you know, Sweet, perhaps a little shameless, but a very sweet fairy tale aspect of yeah. uh, the whole tale. You know, it's it's also a rom com in, in a lot of different ways. You know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the story between him and Captain Zira Jones and um and and Diego Luna and those Salda. And I and I really like Stanley Tucci was the villain, right? In the, the
0: yeah, the, he's yeah.
1: so good. Like, yeah, he's so good. Like he he he's such a the horrible but great, you know, villain in that story that mm-hmm. balances somehow hands every man appeal. So <laughs>
0: Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, trapped in the bureaucracy basically and all the red tape. I know. Right. Yeah, it's a good one. Well, I wanna thank you so much for taking the time to talk about movies. This was a lot of fun. So I really yeah. appreciate it, Thomas Thank you so much okay you have a good rest of your weekend you too thanks bye this is jen johans at filmintuition.com or film intuition on social media and Letterboxed, and this is watch with jen and friends